Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, so there's actually a, a ton of stuff to talk about right now. Uh, in Broncos country, uh, the draft is, is clearly on everybody's mind. Um, Joe Flacco and, and Vic Fangio talked to the media today, um, which they both had some really good things to say. And then, obviously, with the schedule being released, there there's a lot of stuff going on with that. There's so much uh, speculation, conjecture. Uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen. But this is a good time to do some some predicting. Uh, about the Broncos season, maybe maybe take some guesses before the schedule comes out uh, in, what, 12 hours or whenever it's going to be. Um, but uh, I do have one prediction. I, th- I think that uh, um, they'll, they'll play the AFC, their AFC West opponents uh, once at home and once on the road. That is a bold prediction. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. You plopped it out there and expected it to perform. I did. I did plop it out there. I did expect it to perform. Very John Foxy of me. And it was very John Foxy of you because you basically took a knee on that prediction. I did. I Well, you know, it was – it's something he would have said on ESPN, right? If he was on ESPN, he would have said that. So I, I feel like that fit. That's what she said. Oh, very nicely done. Um, but do you have – let's – you know what's, what's fun? Let's maybe make a guess at who the Broncos will start their season with. And uh, I'll go first because, you know, why not? And I think that because they're going to be on, well, 
I think they will start on the road. Let's start that there. For the, that would be for the first time in eight years that they have opened on the road because since 2011, they have opened every season at home. And in that span, in those eight games, they are 7-1 and one, with the one loss being the very first game that John Fox coached against the Oakland Raiders. I'm really channeling my inner Foxy here. So uh, <laughs> so that, that seems to work. But I, I'm going to predict, again, bold prediction here on my part after all of those uh, starts at home that they're going to start on the road. And I think the most intriguing matchup is a visit to Minnesota with their old friend Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator um, and, and a, a shot at you know going up into Minnesota and, and beating an old friend. I think that's where – that's the most intriguing start for the Broncos on the road, and I think that's where they're going to start. And to me, I think they are going to open the season for the ninth straight year at home, and they will do so against Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns because oh. I think that has the ability to be the most intriguing matchup of the entire opening kickoff weekend. Yeah, first look at uh, OBJ and Baker Mayfield together. And uh, an, an interesting that's an interesting one. Is Baker Mayfield for real? Will that Baker Mayfield OBJ connection be fruitful? Uh, are, are the Browns for real? I think that there's a lot of questions there as well. And uh, the Broncos are a good place to start with that. I, I, I think that is an intriguing matchup. I think the other key is going to be when do they play Kansas City? Because if it's in December, Broncos country knows better than than everyone that they don't fare well at Arrowhead in December. So when are they going to play the Kansas City Chiefs? And when are they going to play the Green Bay Packers? Because my wife's cousin is getting married in October in Wisconsin. So my hope is that we're able to have all of this connect and we can go to Lambeau Field to watch the Broncos and the Packers when we're in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin for his wedding. I like it. I think that would be great. A little trip to, to Wisconsin. You know, Illinois and Wisconsin are connected, right? They touch their borders, touch. And so maybe, just maybe, I'll have to make the drive up. And, and I've never been to Lambeau. I would love to go to Lambeau. I'd love to watch the Broncos play a game at Lambeau Field. I think it would be great. Road trip. A nice road trip, and it would be a short one for me. You'd, it would take a while, but for me, no problems, right? And then you mentioned the other intriguing road game is going to be the Vikings and the Broncos playing Gary Kubiak in Minnesota. Uh, the home games, well, actually, to go back to the road games, they only make two trips to the Eastern time zone this season. So in terms of travel, that could be a huge benefit I think you're right. I, I saw you tweeted that out, and I think that was a really good point because when the Broncos travel east, just like every West Coast team or team that lives uh, or plays and operates west of the Mississippi, I should say, um, it, that that trip out east is always a struggle. And uh, I don't know if it's the early time, the, the, the time zone, the change in the time zone, whatever it is, that's always a difficult game. And so – that will be a huge benefit to the Broncos to not have to make that those trips that often. And if it's only two, it could work out where they end up being the late game anyway, and so that could really help them in, in the long run or at least in the future. So um, I, I do like how that plays out for them in, in that respect. I, I honestly think the season might sort of 
it could unfold in a way that really benefits the Broncos and gives them an opportunity to make the playoffs. I'm not predicting a playoffs run. I'm not even getting into predictions. I'm just saying if you look at things, there, there are certainly some things that could happen that could work in the Broncos' favor. It, it, to me, it, it's all about do they open at home for the ninth straight season and when – do they play those key road games against the Vikings Packers and then their road game in Kansas city. And then in terms of home games, I mentioned the Browns and the Broncos. I think that's going to be the, the season opener for both teams in Denver. The other intriguing matchup is going to be the bears with Fangio and Ed Donatel playing their old team and how they're, how that offensive line is going to try to stop Khalil Mack. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a big test. I think that um, Fangio gives them an advantage just in uh, understanding how those guys play uh, and being able to to maybe pre- help the offense prepare for what Khalil Mack does. It's not like the Broncos have never seen Khalil Mack before. Uh, you know, you ask Michael Schofield; he lived in the backfield one day uh, on my. He, I mean, how many sacks did he get that day? He he rode Michael Schofield's back all the way to to about five five sacks. So the the Broncos know who Khalil Mack is and and will be um, well-prepared for what he can do. Uh, The Bears have a good defense, though, even though they lost a few players um, and, you know, and and a defensive coordinator. I can see see them still being pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes. That'll be be a fun one to watch for sure. I I think it's going to be interesting. And now that we know when the schedule is going to be released, it's exciting that the Broncos are on the field actually doing work with their coaches as a team now, specifically Joe Flacco. And that leads into a quote that he had that I'm... just really intrigued about and I have been since the beginning of... Um, his introductory news conference. And the quote is, the first thing I want to do is prove to every guy who sets foot on this field that I am the guy. I believe I'm the guy, but as soon as they believe that, the sky is the limit. You can really take your leadership to the next level. And the thing that I tweeted is, I love the confidence and the motivation that Flacco continues to exhibit. Time will tell if it correlates to wins for the Broncos, but it's clear he has something to prove. And you can tell that he has a determination in him, that he wants it, and that ties into Woody Page's column that was published on Tuesday night about how Joe Flacco has the it factor. And the only two quarterbacks to have it in the history of the Denver Broncos have been John Elway and Peyton Manning. Tim Tebow had the it factor, but he didn't have anything else to play quarterback. Well, wait a minute. I I take some issue with that. What about what about Jake Plummer? Huge, huge Broncos country favorite, right? People in Broncos country really like Jake Plummer. I, I feel like he had it. I think he had something that made him really good. He I don't it's I think it's unfair to try and put guys on the same level as a John Elway or a Peyton Manning. Like Joe Flacco is not on that same level at, at all. 
I, I don't think you can put him up there with 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 John Elway and, and Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady or or Joe Montana. That's you're starting to talk about the greatest of all time. Like he, Joe Flacco is not in that conversation. He he might consider himself to be an elite quarterback in the NFL today. That does not put him in the conversation of Elway and Manning and the guys who have it. He has a Super Bowl, and he's been very good in his career at times. But I don't think anybody is is going to confuse him with, you know, a guy who is a surefire Hall of Famer like Peyton Manning, for example. And I don't think that's what Woody was implying with that. Just that he has that it factor, the confidence, the the trust in himself, the belief, and the fact that he's done it before. I I, I love Jake Plummer. He didn't have it. That's why he lost his job to Jake to Jay Cutler. No, I, I I'll give you that. I just think that there's certain that moniker of it, right? That that idea of you have it. That that is something that is is reserved in my in my estimation for guys who I, I mean have done a lot more than what Joe Flacco has done. And I know that you're oh he's won a Super Bowl and he's he's been a starter in the league for so many years and. I get it. He has something, right? I, I'm I'm not sure that you, at a certain point we're starting to argue about semantics, right? I, and so I don't want to get into that. I just don't want to start putting him on the same level as some of those guys that we know are surefire Hall of Famers or are Hall of Famers that, that Joe Flacco doesn't fit that mold. He's not going into the Hall of Fame. Unless, now I will uh, caveat, unless he has two to five good seasons in Denver and wins a Super Bowl. And, and like I said, I don't think anyone was making that comparison. No okay. one was saying that Joe Flacco is John Elway or Peyton Manning, Woody Page. And what I'm saying is that they have it. They have the ability to play the quarterback position and play it well. Whether or not he's on the level of Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or John Elway, I don't know. I do know in one playoff game, Joe Flacco outperformed Peyton Manning. Ooh. Oh, I don't, that's really, you brought that up. I'm surprised you would bring that up. I'm surprised you would even go there. That's, that's like pouring salt on your own wound. You just took a, a, like you just, you have a gash in your arm and you took a lemon and you squeezed the juice into the gash on your arm just to prove a point. That's self mutilation, man. That's not good. That's unhealthy. It's it, I'm a masochist. What, what can I say? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's probably true. That's, that's probably very true. No, I, you know what though, what I will say about the quote and the way that he has carried himself since becoming the Broncos quarterback, I like it, you know, like I, I like Joe Flacco so far. I, I love his confidence. I love the way that he's carrying himself. And the thing that I like more than anything is the motivation because that's going to, it's going to motivate the guys around him. It's going to, it's going to want, it's going to make them want to, to pick it up and, and play better. And I, that's what a leader does. And that's something else that, that Flacco mentioned in that quote is that it takes your leadership to the next level. When you do that, when you have that belief that you want to show to all of your teammates and all of your coaches that you are the guy that sets the precedent. 
Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right on that. And so uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. I really, I really do like the way he's carried himself. And it's funny because we've talked about Case Keenum and the way that he sort of um, carried himself. And, and I would say that uh, Case Keenum came into Denver and, and exhibited some of that same confidence in certain areas, but he was also one of those guys that would come in and say, well, I like football. Uh, he was, he was kind of what he was an, I like football guy, right? Uh, yeah, football's fine. Um, you know, I enjoy it. He wasn't, he didn't ever seem super excited about it. I think Joe Flacco is happy to be in Denver. You get, you get the sense that he is, he sees this as an opportunity to continue his career, to expand on what he's done in, in his career, to, to show that he can keep doing it. I mean, he's being replaced, right? Lamar Jackson is replacing him in Baltimore, and this is his chance to come out and, and show that maybe that was a mistake or that he's still got a lot left in the tank. So I think he's taking on the challenge, and he's doing it with confidence. And I like that. And um, I think the biggest sort of tell on that is his quote about whether or not uh, he's worried about the Broncos drafting a quarterback because uh, he doesn't really care. And I think that that's that's another quote that that he gave today that um, sort of really fits with his persona that he's put out since coming to Denver. Right. Uh, the way that you just talked about him be, being a leader and whatnot, it goes right with that. And that idea of, yeah, they could draft a quarterback at 10. They could draft a quarterback at, at 110. He doesn't care. He's the guy. And his exact quote was, like I said, I don't really care about whether they take a quarterback or not, whether it's 10 or whatnot. The only thing I care about is, like I said, I want this team to be as good as they can with me at quarterback. If we feel like as a team and an organization that we can add value to our team at the 10th pick, then I'm all for getting a guy that can add value to the team with me as the understood quarterback. At the end of the day, my wife's favorite quote, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. At the end of that quote, the way that he says that, you know, I'm all for getting a guy that can add value to the team with me as the understood quarterback. He's, that's a, that's a, a fairly important statement. He, what he's saying there is you can draft a guy, but I'm the quarterback, right? I'm, I'm your number one. I don't care who you bring in. I'm the guy that's starting this year. There's nothing in there about the future, but this year, this team is mine. I, I like that. I like the confidence. Bring in whoever you want. This team is mine this year. It, it And then, of course, for your wife, it is what it is. It, just, it goes back to that confidence level. And, and we mentioned this after that introductory news conference, the complete 180 between Case Keenum. It seemed forced with Case Keenum. It, 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 he had never been in that position before. And it, some of the things he said, they, it, it was kind of like Vance Joseph, where it was forced, where you, did you really believe it? You wanted to believe it. You, and, and in my case, I forced myself to believe it, but you didn't. And that's not to say that this is going to lead to wins. Like I said earlier, it's not going to lead to success on the field for Joe Flacco or the Broncos, but it's believable because he's done it before. And as, as former athletes and in any aspect of life, motivation is a huge thing. And look at, look at the motivation that Peyton Manning had after he 
right. was counted out in Indianapolis. It's it's the same kind of mindset. It's the it, I mean the circumstances are very similar between Peyton Manning and Joe Flacco, where they were both counted out for different reasons. Manning had the neck injury, and they drafted Andrew Luck. Joe Flacco, he was actually playing, I would say, pretty well before he got hurt. And then they just went and stuck with Lamar Jackson, even though in the playoff game, the entire crowd at yeah. M&T Bank Stadium was calling for Joe Flacco because of how badly Lamar Jackson was playing. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of minicamp and then come mandatory minicamp in June and then training camp in the preseason where the team is, where Flacco is, where the trust is with him and his receivers, the running backs, offensive line, him and Rich Scangarello. It, it's going to be a very interesting offseason in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, there's there's a couple guys that aren't even able to get on the field right now and, and Philip Lindsay and, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So, you know, how long will it take for him to build some rapport with them? Obviously, Philip Lindsay, for the most part, it's turned around giving the football, but how much are they going to use him you know, out in the flat or in screen situations, that kind of thing as well. And then with Emmanuel Sanders, if he's still around, I mean, I, I mean, I would assume he's still going to be there, but I, you know, I've seen on Twitter and, and other places that there is speculation that he may still be moved or, or something, who knows that being said, I think that he wants to, he wants the opportunity to start building that rapport with his receivers and, I think they have a good young receiving core in Denver with, with uh, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton and uh, Tim Patrick as well. I really like who they've got. I think that, I think that offensively they're, they're set up pretty well. And then with the draft, you know, maybe in the draft, they bring in a guy, uh, you know, on the offensive line, tight end, something like that. There's a lot of options there as well. So like, like I said before, the draft is all right now about speculation and conjecture because nobody really knows what's going on. And I would argue that this season, this draft is the most wide open for the Broncos. And part of it is because there are things they could do on offense. There are things they could do on defense. They could go get a quarterback. They could bring in a tight end. They could draft an offensive lineman. They could draft a defensive lineman. They could draft a linebacker. They could draft. I mean, when I was on, on with, uh, with, Mace and, and Ryan and, and Steve the other day that was sort of, they asked me well what do you think the Broncos are going to do and I gave them every single option because I have no idea and for me I just want them to pick who's ever the best player on their board if Ed Oliver is there take him if Devin White somehow falls past Tampa at five and he's there take him Devin Bush take him if it if it's a quarterback so be it I I don't think that they will take a quarterback in this draft because I think the additions that they've made in free agency and the trade for Joe Flacco shows, as I've said multiple times, that John Elway thinks this team can contend, not just for the AFC West, but in the AFC. So if that's the case, you use that pick at number 10 to get someone who is going to make a a, a big impact on your roster at Oliver in between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb has me salivating over that thought because they haven't had an interior guy like that since Malik Jackson left for Jacksonville. The idea of a three down linebacker like Devin White or Devin Bush 
with Vic Fangio and that defense is another reason to get excited. And then in the second round, if they're able to get Dalton Risner, I don't care what happens the rest of the draft. If they if they're able to get Ed Oliver and Dalton Risner, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, yeah, I, I would sign my name on the dotted line for that. I'm good with that. I honestly, I, I the more I think about this draft, the less I have any conviction towards one thing or the other. I, I'm not a fan of them possibly taking a quarterback. Although if Dwayne Haskins were to fall to ten, I'd I'd be fine with that. Um, I think he's the most NFL ready of the the three big names that you see out there. But I'm also fine with with pretty much everything you just said as well. I I really am I'm not quite sure if there's anything that would disappoint me or anything that would make me overly excited. I, I just am curious at this point. I'm curious what's going to happen and and how things are going to fall because it's so up in the air. And I think that's the benefit of being able to trade for Joe Flacco and making the additions that they have. And thankfully we are only a week out about a week out from the draft. So we'll know in nine days what the Broncos are going to, what they will have done at this point, because they will at this point, Thursday, next week, they will have made their pick. So uh, that that's, that's also exciting because we're, in the middle of OTAs and mini camp. So we're getting yeah, closer. I like that. And, and speaking of exciting, um, we have some exciting commercials we have to do at least one. So we're going to go ahead and, and on the audio side, go ahead and get that, get that in there, make sure that the, that that's taken care of so that we can, we can move on and continue to talk about more Broncos stuff. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, that's probably a long enough wait. Um, did did you uh, did you want to talk about Fangio's press conference? Because I thought uh, I thought Vic Fangio had some some interesting quotes as well. Um, you know about Bradley Chubb watching tape on Khalil Mack, that kind of stuff. Um, and then about Von Miller uh, getting putting some weight on. I, that makes me a little nervous. I don't like it when guys put weight on. I don't know how you feel about that. I worry about joints and things, you know, and it's not good for the it's not good for the ticker, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure, that kind of thing. You really you really don't want to be putting on weight. In terms of uh, the Bradley Chubb quote about watching Khalil Mack, Fangio's comment was, "Oh sure, players study other players all the time. He Chubb has got the advantage of studying a really good player in Khalil." one of the top players in the league and the defense that he's getting ready to play in. So that's a double dose of good things to look at. And I, I, I'm in agreement with Fangio about Von Miller adding 10 pounds. 
Fangio said, I don't know yet. I haven't been around him enough. I'd like to watch him play some more. I certainly don't think it would hurt him at the weight he's used to playing at. I just like guys to weigh if they're training right, eating right, resting right, whatever they weigh, they weigh, especially for a guy like him. I don't know him. I've got to learn more about him. I, I'm more in agreement with, with, with what Fangio said right there. Um, I don't think it should be an issue. I, I think it would actually probably help him over the course of the season when your body starts to lag and you're not able to get the calories that you're, that you typically do. So I, I, I do think it will help him over the course of the rest of mini camp and then coming into June and then training camp and then preseason. I think it'll actually help with his endurance. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, weight to me is one of those things where uh, you want to play at a weight that you're comfortable at and, and that your body is, is used to and, and comfortable with. And I think guys naturally put on weight as they get older as well. Uh, you know, case in point, uh, if you're if you're if you're watching on, you know, on the live feed here, case in point. But um, it, at the same time, if you're putting on weight intentionally, then you're then you're adding weight probably at a at a rate that is less natural and that always worries makes me worry about knees uh you know you know ankles that kind of thing your 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 body needs to be uh at a weight that is comfortable for the entire body and that includes your joints that includes uh includes your muscles and all those things i i do get your point though um adding a little bit of weight and it's what is it 10 pounds is that what it said something like 10 pounds that's probably not going to make uh a a difference on on von miller's knees or, or ankles or or anything like that. So, okay, I'm fine with it. And we'll we'll see how it goes. Von Miller is the best defensive player in the league, or one of, if not the best. So, if he thinks he needs to add 10 pounds to to play at a, a better weight, I probably will trust his opinion over mine. He probably knows more about it than I do. The other quote that stood out to me um, was getting on the field for the first day with the players. He said it felt good. It was good to get out there with the guys. We've been meeting with them the last two weeks, so it was good to get out there and see if they could execute on their feet what they've been learning the last couple of weeks. And he followed that up with on what he wants to see from the players during this voluntary veteran minicamp. A lot of things. One being how well they've learned and how quickly they can learn from their mistakes. They're going to make mistakes these first few days, and in OTAs, do they repeat those mistakes? I'm trying to see what kind of condition the guys are in on an individual basis because that's a true telling sign out there, how they're getting through practice. And we just want to see the execution be up to par. I love that because he knows that practices aren't going to be perfect as they were under the previous head coach. Wow. Great weeks of practice, like wonderful weeks. So many wonderful weeks of practice. I I think you're right. That's that is the true sign of a teacher, and I think that's one of the things that um, we've talked about in the past about Vic Fangio and about you know you know Munchak and, and some of the other coaches. When you're teaching guys, you know that they're going to make mistakes, but what you want to see is after they make the mistakes, do they clean it up? Do they fix it? Do they do they make the adjustments? Do they listen? Are they coachable? And I think that's the other thing that you really get out of that. He's he's looking to see whether or not these guys are coachable, whether or not they're uh, capable of learning. 
capable of taking in his new system and taking the mistakes that they make, which you're going to make, and being able to adjust after making those mistakes. And I think that in the in the, the previous regime, it was more about, we did a great job. You did a great job. There was no teaching. There was no, uh, there was no, I don't even know how to say it. There was no stressing the the point of fixing the mistakes. It was well, we not we went out there and practiced hard, and so that was a good practice. There was nothing. There's no learning there. We there practiced hard. We practiced hard, and so we they brought nothing other than bad history. Which which is is sort of the the point that I'm making here is is they didn't bring any of that learning to the table. They didn't bring any of that that those. You can have a good practice and not practice hard. You can have a good practice and and not practice well. You know what I'm saying? Like a good practice doesn't have to be well. We practiced. We had a good week of practice. What does that mean? With Vic Fangio, it's going to mean that they learned things, that they fixed things, that they they took the mistakes that they made and they 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 got rid of them. Right? They eliminated those mistakes by focusing on how to make things better. I don't I don't get the sense that they did that previously and and I do like to see that and I like to hear that because it means there's going to be accountability as well it means that if you can't fix your mistakes if you can't learn if you can't do things the way that you're expected to do them there will be some consequences there will be some repercussions there will be accountability which is something that's been missing over the last two seasons and to tie into what you said about do they learn from their mistakes do they pick it up? I think the other key aspect in that is how quickly do they pick it up? How quickly do they get them corrected? Because there's going to be mistakes. It's as you said, are they coachable? Do they learn from their mistakes? And how quickly do they learn from their mistakes? Do they continue to make the same ones over and over again? Or is it one instance where they make the mistake and then they're, they get it corrected because that's going to be a key in all of this is is how quickly can they learn, and that's going to be something that he wants to want, he wants to figure out relatively quickly. So because everyone is different, each individual player is going to have a different grasp of what's going on, especially between the older veterans and the younger and the younger players, players coming into the system for the first time, and I think that's where guys like Bryce Callahan are going to be so beneficial because he's been in this system. He can help the guys on defense, especially like Isaac Yadam and even Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons and Will Parks. They'll be Bryce Callahan is going to be somebody that can help the secondary out, especially with Chris Harris Jr. not being there, holding out until he gets his contract after the draft. That's where I think a guy like Bryce Callahan is going to be invaluable in terms of how quickly the secondary can pick up this system and and learn from their mistakes to see what they've done wrong and then get it fixed. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the other thing, and and this is something that it's a point that I had thought of earlier and I, I didn't really get it, get it in before, but it kind of fits here. Fixing all of those mistakes, the Denver Broncos defense has been very good over the last few years. For the most part, there have been some games, you know, I think about the Jets last season, for example, and, and giving up a gajillion yards on the ground and that kind of thing. Um, but they've been pretty solid for the most part. And so it's the offense that's really been 
sort of the what you might call the the problem, right? The issue. And I think that what Vic Fangio is talking about there translates over to the offense as well. And, uh, you know, Rick Scangarello's offense is going to have to be something that the guys learn and they take on and whatnot. I'm not sure if anybody is is in the system that's going to be able to say, well, I've worked with Scangarello. I know what he's doing. But it's that same idea of how quickly can we learn from our mistakes? How quickly can we adjust? And I think that goes back to the idea that Elway – believes this team can contend because the defense is that good. And so he needs the offense to be up to par. He needs the offense to be better than it has been because if the offense can be just a little bit better, just just one completion of Demarius Thomas away from a, a victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was that close. It was it was a matter of inches at times that continued to be that could, it was a matter of inches that continued to be the problem. And we want to eliminate those inches, right? That's the idea. The whole death by inches thing that we, we kind of go back to. That's what Fangio's talking about as well with those mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And it's not just on the defensive side. I, th- I think we have a tendency when we talk about Fangio to focus on that because he's a defensive coach. But it, it's the same thing on the other side of the football as well. And I think that that's just as important. You totally just triggered me because the other thing that didn't help in that Kansas City game was third and 30. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's death by like, you know, several yards, yards or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying to trigger you. I was just, I was just, I was just mentioning that it was just, you know, Demarius Thomas was wide open and, and I don't know if, does, okay. So here's the question. Does Joe Flacco make that throw? Yes. That's a that's it's either a, Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas because Demarius Tom, Emmanuel Sanders was open on the other side of the field. Yes, too. he was. Yes, he was. They were both open, but you can only you can only really evaluate who the throw was going to. So I guess the question is, would he have made that throw to Demarius Thomas? Yes. Okay. Would he have seen Emmanuel Sanders on the other side and made that throw instead? Yes. Okay. Well, then I, there there you have it, Broncos country. I don't I don't know what else to say there. That's that's pretty much the way it goes. I mean, it, it it's not I, I just I, I think Joe Flacco has the ability to make all the throws and he has the vision. It's just a matter of him maintaining his health and the offensive line doing its job. And that's where Mike Munchak comes in. Is the offensive line still the biggest hole? I think so at this point. I think It'll be interesting to see what happens with Mike Munchak getting to work with these guys. And if they add anybody in the draft, like, say, a Dalton Risner in the second round. Sure. But I think I think that's – I don't know if it's the biggest question. I think it's, it's the elephant in the room because Mike Munchak is – He's the best offensive line coach in the NFL. I don't think there's any debate about that. What is he able to do with these guys, and what is he able to get out of them? Is he going to be able to make market improvement? Is he going to be able to make slight improvement? Any improvement? That's the elephant in the room. What is going to be the level of improvement that Mike Munchak is going to be able to get out of these guys as a unit, and then individually – 
is he going to be able to get anything out of Garrett Bowles? Right. Well, and I think also let's not forget that there's another hole at center just because Matt Paradis is gone now. And I think that that is something that is probably not being talked about enough as far as the cohesion of the, of the offensive line. Uh, Matt Paradis is, was the glue for several years, not, not just last year and the year before and the year before that, but from the moment he joined the Denver Broncos, Matt Paradis was the anchor of that offensive line. And I think that his loss is going to be felt. And to your point, can Mike Munchak work around that? Can he, you know, can he form that offensive line into what he wants it to be having lost the guy who they really probably looked at as the, the leader of that offensive line without question. He was the leader of the offensive line. I I don't, I don't agree because if that was the case, they would have resigned him. So you think that just because Elway didn't pony up the money for him, that he wasn't the leader on that offensive line. I think they got an idea of what Paradis was able to do. And they saw what Connor McGovern was able to do. I didn't notice any drop off between the two from when Matt Paradis left and when Connor McGovern was in there. That's an interesting take. I, I don't think I agree with you. I, I really don't. I think that I think that Matt Paradis was the better center. If he wasn't the better center, he would have he wouldn't have been starting over Connor McGovern. It wouldn't have been a question, and they wouldn't have allowed him to play through the hip injuries that he played through the year before. They wouldn't it wouldn't have been uh, he wouldn't have been considered such a huge part of the team uh, if they didn't if he wasn't such a huge part of the team. I think that his I think his loss will be felt. I think it could be mitigated by the fact that Connor McGovern played pretty well, but I don't think he played as well as Matt Paradis. And that that's that's going to be open to each individual's opinion. Um, I think Matt Paradis's value has been overblown the last three years. I think it's I think it's great that he played through injury. I think it's great that he he's manned up and he's played well. He helped lead the Broncos to a Super Bowl win. But I didn't notice any drastic difference between Matt Paradis and Connor McGovern. And they they saw what they had in him and they saw what they had in, in Connor McGovern and they decided to to, to roll with with Connor McGovern. They could have paid with the cheaper Matt option. Paradis. No, they they took they, the cheaper they option. They could have paid Matt Paradis. They could have they, they paid Matt Paradis. I agree. And they decided not to. I th- I think I I think that I agree with you that they decided not to. I think that um this is I think this is the the place that Elway gets in the most trouble, where he tries to go on the cheap, where he tries to um not pay a guy and plug somebody else in who's maybe a step below and say, well, but we're getting better value here. Uh, and that's the business side of, of Elway that, that has always been a bit of a, a problem for him because it gets him a little bit in a little bit of trouble. And I think that that's partly what you're seeing with what he did with Paradis and McGovern. I'm not saying it won't work out and I'm not saying that uh, it wasn't the right move. I, I just am. What I'm saying is I think that Matt Paradis is a better center than Connor McGovern money wise the amount of money that you had to pay Matt Paradis versus what you can pay Connor McGovern. It's probably the right move business wise. 
and the return on investment is probably better with Connor McGovern. I, I think that Matt Paradis was priced out of what Denver wanted to do, but I think you'll see uh, there's a potential to see some drop off, and and that's the point I'm making with Mike Munchak is can he be the offensive line coach that keeps the cohesiveness together and brings along Garrett Bowles and you know prevents him from become you know being Garrett Holtz all season. And to me, that's the biggest issue with this offensive line. There's way too much we don't know about Connor McGovern to even make the comparison to Matt Paradis because he's never started a season. He's never opened the season as a starter. He may be able to come in with Mike Munchak as his offensive line coach and be better than Matt Paradis. I think the biggest question mark on this offensive line is Garrett Bowles. This is going to be his third year entering as the starting left tackle, and he has not shown any ability to get better. Yeah, very so, little, very little improvement, if any at all, out of out of Garrett Bowles. I will give you that. That is very true. I mean, and we make jokes about it, but he holds. That's he why does he has the nickname Garrett holds. And Hold at the this door. Point, even Mark Schlereth has joked that he'd be better served playing defensive line for the way that he tackles. Let's hope that uh, the Joe's those jokes subside this year. Let's let's hope for that. Ian, I, I want to ask you a question because okay. you got to go to the Masters. I did. She just just talk to us because this was a special Masters, and I know I'm jumping I'm jumping ship on the Broncos stuff right now, but I've wanted to talk to you about it. I think we uh, we we kind of talked about it when you were down in Savannah uh, when we recorded last week. Go ahead and just kind of give us just a, a, a taste of what – I mean, I did my whole Jim Nance impersonation. My dad did tell me, old man goes, you're no Jim Nance. I was like, well, who is? And he said, Jim Nance, <laughs> which I thought was unfair. It was, it's an unfair comparison. I've got a cough. It's not cool. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. What was What was it like down there? It is a surreal experience. I, I mean, first off, the amount of people who attend the Masters, it is an outrageous amount of people. There are so many people, but the efficiency that Augusta National has, there isn't a wasted movement. There isn't any wasted time. No matter the lines for the men's bathroom and the, the, the lines were longer than for the women we were the men were still done before the women and we called it the the disney version of the of the the poo ride <laughs> but it, even even the concession stands everything is where it needs to be you get in you get out it's it, it's so efficient it really is amazing to me that they have it down to such a T that there is not a wasted a wasted second at the golf course because they know how important it is to watch the golf at the best place possibly in the world to watch golf. But then just to walk into the grounds and, and I've I've told this to people, I've watched the Masters for a quarter century. So twenty five years I've watched the Masters. And everything that you see on TV it's infinitely better in person. Just the, 
the trees, the the immaculate. I mean, it, it's immaculate. It's surreal. I've made the joke that it's heaven. And one of the most emotional and sur- surreal moments, not just in my sports life, but in my life, is after we put our master's chairs down. And what you can do, what you do is whether you buy the chairs or you bring them, you sit them down. And as long as you have your name in it and it's clearly marked whose chair it is, you're able to put it down and and walk the course. So we put our chairs down right by the 17th green, literally right by the tee box. So that's close enough and in a great, a great visual to watch the, the par 3 16th can watch the tee shot. We were right at that point, right behind the flag. So to the left, if you're looking at it, if you're watching the camera behind the green, watching the tee shot, we were to the left and right equal with that, with the flag stick on the opening round on Thursday. So after we put our chairs down, we walked up to Amen Corner and the sun was just coming up. It was around 8.30. We didn't go to the ceremonial tee shot with Jack Nicholas and Gary Player because I, I can't fathom. I mean, it looked like it was 20 deep. So you weren't going to be able to see anything anyway. So we went in the south gate, got our chairs, put them on the 17th tee, walked up to Amen Corner. That is the most surreal moment of my life because the. I can't, I'm a writer by nature. I can't put into words the mo- the, the emotion that I felt walking up to Amen Corner and just seeing it, looking behind the 13th green and the azaleas that were there. It's just, it, 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 it it's something that I think every, even if you're not a fan of golf, because my wife wasn't a fan of golf before this, she wants to go back now because that's, what Augusta National does to you because of how it's set up, how it functions, the quality of the food. I mean, I was one of the things that people talked about was you have to get the the pimento and cheese sandwich. It was incredible. The sandwiches were incredible. The prices for the concessions. We got two, two sandwiches, a beer and a bag of chips for 10 bucks. At a Broncos game, you can't get a beer for ten bucks. No, you cannot. <laughs> so I, it's just it, everyone needs to experience it. Experience Augusta National. Experience the Masters. It's 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 heaven. And the fact that we were able to follow Tiger Woods, we saw him on real. We were right right by the, the number three green. So we watched him putt. We watched his tee shot on on the par three four. Watched him on six. Walked right by us to get to the seventh green. Watched his tee shot on seven. Went up to Amen Corner. Watched him on 11, 12, and 13. Made it back to our chairs to watch him on 16. Then watched his tee shot on, on 17. It's just... I could talk about the Masters for <laughs> the next... 30 minutes it's just it was incredible like the i will say the thing that i've i've heard about it is if, if you could compare it to going to a place um that something similar it's like going to disney world right where everything is perfectly in place and if you drop a piece of trash in disney somebody picks it up right away that kind of thing and 
like to hear other people describe it and to hear you talk about it, it sounds sort of sounds very similar and, and just how perfect everything is. Each blade of grass is exactly the right length. Each flower on each tree is exactly where it's supposed to be. It's such a it's it's exactly how you would would create it in an, in an art room. That's how perfect it is. You you just can't even imagine it. And I would I would love to go. It's on my bucket list. And and I really just wanted to give you a chance to to rant about it a little bit. What was amazing is on top of all of that, you hear the birds and you hear it watching on TV. But the thing that amazed me, and, and Sam Farmer mentioned this because he covered it. He's he's an NFL writer for the Los Angeles Times. He covered the Masters for the first time in his over 30-year career as a sports writer. He mentioned something, and, and I picked up on it on that Thursday, is no matter where you go, even with the birds, you didn't see a bug. Like, there were no bugs anywhere. Huh. Like they eliminated all the bugs. It's it, it was just incredible, and you don't you, you don't see the birds either. And I think that's because of how thick the forage is, because the I mean the it, the trees there. It's it, it, anywhere in Georgia, driving from Atlanta to Savannah, you can't see off of the interstate, which is completely foreign to people who grow up in Colorado. Yeah, that's you weird. Can see, you can see beyond the horizon in Georgia. You can't, it's like D it's like driving in Maryland or yeah. Uh, in DC. Uh-huh. It's exactly like that where it's just, it's trees as thick as you can see and you can't see off the interstate. It's like that at Augusta. Well, I'm jealous and, and I hope to go someday. That's, that's sort of my hope. Um, I don't really know where else to take it from here. I think we're we're on to the regular season schedule and then the draft. On to the draft. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. <laughs>